Hello and welcome to the Respectfully podcast. I'm Nikki Pope, publisher of the Respect website and hairdressing newsletter. You can find all our best hair news, comment and collections online at respectyou.me. This podcast is our regular live open conversation with well-known names from the hairdressing industry and today I'm joined by Trevor Sorby. Yes, the man himself. He and I met up for an online chat just as lockdown in the UK was ending and we jumped right in to discuss how the world has changed for hairdressers everywhere. Trevor has a long history of working on TV and stage and you'll love his perspective and advice on how to make the best of your screen appearances. How are you? I'm all right. I'm fine. Thank you. Yeah. How are you? I'm, I'm all right. Yeah. It's, it's weird, isn't it? Because everything's changed in a way that it's all new, but it's becoming the way of the future as yeah. much as anything, certainly with education, I think. Because yeah. yeah. um, these big companies, they, you know, instead of laying out thousands of thousands of pounds to put on shows and that, I mean, it's becoming all virtual now. Yeah. Um, and I think there's some good and bad in it in all of that exactly um i mean we did um some tutorials um with the team yeah. and um I, I said to him i said it just looks like a bunch of amateurs have done it and uh then we decided i i, I stuck my sort of neck nose in and said look this is rubbish if we're going to do this we've got to do it properly yeah um lighting you know sound uh, visual i mean it all has to be thought of um and then you go into another level of um not knowledge where we're starting to have to find people that can film it properly light it and all of that so um, yeah. And we did we did a masterclass, and it actually went very well. And I thought it looked uh, ten times better than what we were doing, only because we realised that we were rubbish. And yeah. uh, and I had to tell them that they were rubbish. Yeah. yeah. Um, now I wasn't talking about the hair; I was talking about the production value. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, we hyped it up, but we are going to take it much more seriously and invest uh, in you know production that's uh, the way yeah. forward with us and the other thing uh, i said look guys i said you can stand on a stage and you, you've got an audience in front of you i said you're all very good at that i said but there's a big difference facing a camera yeah and, yeah. and talking to nobody yeah because an audience you feel when you're live you sense you see when people are leaving you see if they come back you see if somebody's falling asleep you can tell by the applause you can tell lots of things just because it's live but you have no feedback when you're talking into a camera and i said and i actually set up a whole set of evenings with the art team and told them about presentation skills um and i did i set them all different tasks um and i i I critiqued them as i found them and they all learned a lot but it takes experience well it does so take me back then where did you get that experience so when you started now i i I will just set the scene because to me you you are always very good at engaging with the camera even on a live event which is also being filmed but tell me how you got into the sort of film and tv and and 
presenting to a camera? Well, I mean, it goes back a long way, actually, because um, I, I was actually sent by the BBC um, to uh, learn about presentation skills because I was offered a six-part series on, um, on television and the programme was called Hair. And uh, they said I had to read auto cue, and I was rubbish. Anyway, they sent me to and had some cl <laughs> yeah. classes, and I, I learned quite a lot then. But it's through time, through interviews. Um, you see, this is the way I see it, uh, Nikki. I, let's take a live situation with an on-stage camera. What happens when the doors open? Everyone rushes to the front few, uh, front rows because they think that's the best seat, mm -hmm. okay? Now, the person at the back has paid the same money and he apparently should, in theory, have the worst seat. Yeah. Well, I, I disagree. I think the back row is as good as the front row. So, therefore, you don't talk to the audience like how outwards and yeah. face the audience you talk to the camera right. so the the guy at the back of the room sees your face and I'm talking to him and I'm and the person next to him thinks I'm talking to them as well and therefore you 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 the camera is your audience yeah yeah it's as simple as that and even when I was like doing a cut and it was awkward for, for me I would make it even more awkward so the camera could come in and get the shot mm. so it wasn't about I could actually turn my back on the audience and they could still see perfectly the technique I was using because I was letting the camera come in so and I always had a tv screen in front of me so I could see what the audience was seeing on the right. big screen yeah so yeah. I, I became part of the audience. Yeah, 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 definitely. And how does that work? So, so then you stepped up the TV because in the nineties you were on TV all the time, on various shows, changing rooms, and on breakfast TV, um, and also doing big shows. Do you is so? Although you're talking to the camera on both occasions, is it different for a sort of studio floor as part of a show than it is to a big stage where you're being filmed? Do you have to put a different head on? Yeah. Well, firstly, um, it's a different atmosphere. It's uh, a very intimidating atmosphere in a studio. You've got all these um, cameramen, sound men. Um, it, you, you are even though you're being interviewed, you're only one part of what's going on around you. Yeah. Um, and you have to be very aware of... Um, it's a it's a different <laughs> skill. It's a different skill. That's all I can really say. I don't know yeah. how to break it down, but the hardest thing to do, and it, it, it's a bit like if I say if you're having a photograph taken and the photographer says, "Right, smile," you think, "Well, I don't want to smile. I don't feel like smiling." Well, on TV, you have to learn to put on a, a, a face. Yeah, uh, I call it a TV face. You have to learn to. I mean, I used to stand in front of the mirror and learn how to sort of pay. You know, really, <laughs> really how really to. Oh yeah, I mean, I I taught myself how to look genuinely uh, happy. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, I think 
that's one of the it's a small skill but it's a really important skill because if you if you're in front of a camera and say and now here's Trevor Sorby and you're just sitting there going yeah it's like and here's Trevor Sorby yeah yeah you know be ready yeah it's, it's like at the oscars when they cut to somebody's face if they don't realize they're being filmed yeah. <laughs> so. exactly. and, and i think also on on tv one of the things that i've seen people do is you have to master the art of talking in short phrases almost because you might get cut off at any minute you don't want to be halfway through a story or halfway through an explanation that's right well i, I always used to say so how, how long have we got oh we're on we've got two minutes now, in those two minutes, you've got to get it all in. And you can't sort of just um, fluff around. You've got to get straight to the point, be direct, and be as articulate as possible. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, uh, yeah, you've got to bring everything down and uh, condense it, but, yeah. st but still make it. You see, I think what it is also is, is uh, when I was teaching the team, um, I hate to say this, but the overseas people, people from Italy or Spain or that, when they talk, they speak, the, the words are good, but there's no intonation, there's no feeling behind the words. It's very, yeah. monot very monotone. Right. The words are right, yeah. but, the, but there's no... The delivery, yeah, the delivery has to be very personal, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean... It, to be a, a leader of any team or anything, you've what you've got to you've got to add excitement into your voice, or you've got to add drama, or you've got you've got to you've got to basically uh, what's the word um, expand yourself, uh, exaggerate yourself when yeah. you're talking um, to to people or to a camera. Yeah, uh, you, people say to me, "Oh, you, you know, you, you're so passionate about what you do." Well, yeah, I am, but I have to, let's say, bring that out even more. Yeah, they, yeah. They have to, to project they have to, it. Yeah. You know something? Uh, I, I tell you what, what right. Every Sunday uh, in the last few months, there's um, a gardening program in the morning. And um, now I've got no interest whatsoever in gardening, none whatsoever. But there's this lady, she's in her 60s. She's quite well known in the gardening world, Claire someone. And I can't stop watching her. Now, I'm not learning how to plant a rose or clip a hedge or anything. She's, she talks with enthusiasm, with knowledge. Uh, she's, she, she, um, she, she, she's engaging. Um, and... and a BBC uh, producer once said to me, and this is so true, it, it, any profession, cooking, makeup, uh, gardening, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's, it's the person that's in front of the camera that just oozes out his passion and his interest and his, his, uh, his body language. It, you, and on the other hand, it can work the other way, like, for example, you take Gordon Ramsay. Now, you either love or hate him, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, if you love him, it's understandable. He's one of the best chefs in the world. But if you hate him, you still watch him because you want to hate him even more. <laughs> yeah. 
you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It is, it, it's, his, it's his personality that engages you. And yeah. I think that the hardest thing to do, when I say to my team, just be yourself, mm. the hardest thing is to be yourself. Yeah, Because yeah. you think you should be like someone that you've seen or, yeah. or whatever. So you're not yourself. And it's very hard to be yourself. Um, yeah, I think it is. I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because, I, I mean, in the 90s, when I first came into hairdressing and there was this explosion of interest in being on TV and being a, a well-known celebrity hairdresser. And I think lots of people couldn't understand that it wasn't about your hairdressing skills necessarily. You weren't, you know, just because you were really good at what you did didn't mean you were going to make good watching. It, it really is a skill that experience plays a big part but there are certain things that you can learn very quickly. And that's why I try, that's what I'm doing with my team now. I'm teaching them how to perform in front of the camera. I, I, I don't worry about the work. It, yeah. it's, it's their delivery that yeah. I'm more concerned about. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, when I was doing a lot of TV, I, I was the most popular hairdresser at the time with, uh, on the shows like Lorraine uh, Style Challenge, I did a mm. hundred. I did a hundred and eight of those programs. Wow. <laughs> they kept asking for me. We used to bang off four a day, and yeah. the reason it wasn't that these people in the hairdressing uh, in the television world they don't know what good hair is or bad hair. They don't know what they do know is somebody that is good on TV mm -hmm. that cuts through that screen and connects with the public. Yeah, yeah, that that that's why I was used because. So which bit then? So from the last year, we you've touched on the um, the Travis Sorby International embracing the sort of online education and so on. What do you think? How how do you see that going forward? Because we don't want to replace all one to one or or in person education, but where do you think that that will be really helpful to have better online education? Well, just going back a bit, I don't think. It doesn't matter how big the name is. I think if you're going to do an online education, you've you got to learn these skills that I'm talking about, you know, yeah. how to perform in front of a camera. And not everyone, as good as a hairdresser as they are, doesn't mean to say they're going to be um, asked for uh, yeah. or, or, or even, you know. The thing is with um, uh, online education is, you don't know when people are turning off. No, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, if you're facing a live audience, you see somebody leaving and them not coming back. Um, but how many people, and in this day and age, the, um, the attention span is so short yeah. that you really have to be very precise with what you're saying, make it sound exciting make it educational um you gotta you gotta really emphasize everything that you're doing to be engaging and that that your name might be trevor sorby or tony and guy or vidal sassoon it doesn't matter if, if that person is not giving out that that's that, that quality that you expect when you're looking at a screen. You know, when you what, listen to or watch any chat show, for example, um, you know, the, the, the host, like 
Graham Norton. For example, he's, he's sitting there, relaxed, glass of wine he's got. And that is a real skill, what he's yeah. doing. Mm -hmm. And I tell you, very few people can do that. But at the same time, you're right, live will never really be replaced, certainly on a show level, because even if you're doing a show on um, virtual, the amount of production it would take, mm. it would be, well, I don't know. I, I've never done it. Oh, it's, no, it's expensive. Their cameras, if you think about the different angles that you see in a show to even just get that covered, it's like if you watch one of those um, national theatre where you've got a stage play and then they put it on the screen, they don't have the same number of cameras as they do when they're making a film, you know, for example. So it is, yeah, it's very expensive to do well, definitely. Yeah, it's a bit hard to know about the future when it comes to live presentations. It really, really, I mean, to be honest, I mean, the, what I did for many years was a one-man show. Mm. Um, it, you, could, you could film, all I needed was an on-stage camera. Yeah, yeah. But you had a great relationship. So I remember seeing you, this must have been in the 90s, doing one-man shows and you had the hair with the zip. Um, so that for me sticks in my head as I remember you saying to the cameraman, come on, you know, come on, look over my shoulder, see see this, no, that's not right. And this was part of the show almost. Um, I trained my cameraman. Yeah. When I, Colin uh, from, he used to work for L'Oreal, and uh, when I first met him, he came in in his suit, he looked like a businessman, and I thought, oh, I don't know about this, because I, <laughs> I, I was expecting someone young and hip and that. And, uh, Anyway, he, me and him, we knew, he knew where I was going before I got there. Yeah. We were dancing on stage. I, I think the other thing I've learned, I know this is going to sound weird, but I learned a lot from soaps, okay? And I'll tell you why, how, what I'm talking about. Um, I, I watch EastEnders, uh, I'm hooked on that. Uh, <laughs> but it could be Coronation Street, Emmerdale, it doesn't matter. Yeah. What, made, what has made Coronation Street last 60 years? What is it? And I'll tell you what it is. Any one half hour program, there's usually three or four different stories going on with different characters. Yeah. And it, you, uh, you should put a clock on this. You will never see one scene more than 30 or 40 seconds. And mm. it will cut to another part of the yeah. storyline. Story and before you know where you are, half an hour has gone. Mm. And it leaves you with a cliffhanger at the yeah. end. Yeah. Right? And for now, a movie, for example, lasts an hour and a half. It has a start, it has a middle, it has an end. Mm -hmm. But a soap has, has 60 years to go through. And the only way you can keep something going for 60 years is if you keep changing it as the program goes yeah. along and, and bringing in different characters. You're, you're, you're making it new every, every week, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So do you think that's something that we can translate then into when if somebody's planning a show or a training session that they're going to film, that apply that to what you're planning to show? Yes, 100%. My show, 
I mixed it up with um, education, um, uh, humor I used, um, and uh, uh, it's like a roller, you have to, it's like a roller coaster, you have to keep moving, you can't just stay, like I never did a whole haircut on stage, I do half a haircut, why? Because the other half was, you already showed them the one half, you're only repeating yourself and boring everyone and, and putting them to sleep. Right. So you have to cut everything down. None of my hairstyles, I did 10 hairstyles in an hour. Now, I used to time them to literally the minute, mm -hmm. right? That would take me eight minutes to do that. That would take me 12 minutes to do that. And because it had to keep it moving, changing, and, and, and keeping the audience alive. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a very important point, actually, timing and practising the timing. It's like, um, it's like being a good guest at a party. You've got to know when to leave, <laughs> you know, when to arrive, when to leave. I think a lot of hairdressers go up there and they think of themselves and they don't think of the audience. The audience owes you nothing. You owe them everything, and that's why you're there. And get off the egos, get rid of ego, and be, and 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 give all of yourself to that audience. Um, timing is a very important part of anything. Um, and I, 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 when I was giving my team these tasks, I would say, right, you got five minutes to talk about a subject. Now, some went on for 15 minutes, some did three minutes. They had no sense of time. Right. And you, you have to have an inbuilt clock. Yes, I recall a lot when you were filming for us for the, for the show a couple of years ago, I think the cameraman was stunned because you did sort of one take. He asked for 60 seconds, I think, on, on various people and you delivered 59, 60 or 61 seconds on the nose because you just have that. Yeah, well, you know, it's hard to teach that, to be honest. I, yeah. I don't know how to. <laughs> but it, 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 it's being so in tune with what you're doing. And it's not just the cutting the hair is the easy part. That You can do that almost with your eyes closed. It's all, everything else around it. It's your timing. It's the way you look. The, even the way you dress. You don't wear a black shirt when you're cutting uh, dark hair. Mm -hmm. Because black on black doesn't register. So you even have to think of what you're wearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. You can't teach everything. And I don't think everyone can be taught. And I said to my team, I said, look, I'm going to teach you uh, some skills. I said, but there's one thing I expect from you. And that is you've got to want to learn what I'm talking about. Yeah. Don't just tune in to me and say, oh, yeah, I'm learning. No, you've got to want, pick my brain because yeah. I'm giving you fodder. I'm giving you stuff that will help. But a lot of people say they want to learn, but they don't. No, I think it's that people feel as though they just get it by osmosis, but you have to practice. It's like being a, a you know, an athlete. You have to practice and, and learn. I gave them one task. I said, right, I want you for five minutes to talk about a passion outside of hairdressing. And I will give you an example of a passion that I've got outside of hairdressing. 
I, I'm learning to do uh, watercolor painting, right? And I said to the, I said to them, I said, right, I'm going to show, I'm going to talk about my passion. It's about watercolor painting, blah, 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 blah. I said, right, there's one thing I'm going to show you. Look at this picture that I painted, right? Now look at the same picture again that I painted. I, I showed them nine pictures, the same setting, the same picture, but painted better or, or worse. Oh, nine I showed ways. them nine yeah. times I've tried to get this right i said that's called practice yeah and that's the only way you you become good is yeah. if you do you think an athlete runs you know 100 meters in 10 seconds just by getting up and running no, yeah. he's practiced all his life you know yeah. yeah do you see so over the years i mean you've trained and, and mentored and nurtured so many people through the decades. Um, you know, do you see a change in attitudes or do you think youngsters are the same compared with the people you were training in the sort of 70s, 80s, 90s? Do you see a difference now? Yes, absolutely, 100%. There's one word that's not even used these days. It's an obsolete word and it's called a, a apprenticeship. Right. So I believe, I believe you have to learn the fundamentals of hairdressing. I think you have to even learn the history of hairdressing. I think you have to be disciplined in hairdressing and you have to go through pain barriers to arrive at where you would like to be. Um, I put all my stuff, it doesn't matter. If somebody came to me, and want a job and they've been hairdressing 25 years i say right you've got to go through a system that i've adapted you do five commercial haircuts and if i think that you're trainable uh i'll take you on then you're going to be trained for four to six weeks on our methods and at the end of that you're going to take an exam and i take that exam and uh, if you pass that test you can come and work for me and I don't care how many awards you've won or what your hit, what your CV is like. I don't judge any of that. I judge what I see. Yeah, yeah. And that and that that is what's made some of the best hairdressers that I've that have come through my company. I've always said this: you you can't keep anyone forever, mm -hmm. but you can keep them longer. And, you know, Antoinette, Sally, Angelo, Eugene, they all left. And it was right that they left. And I wished them all the best when they left. Um, May in Manchester just recently left and, and she'll be famous one day, if not already. Um, my job, it's, it's like a parent. You, you, you watch them grow. Mm -hmm. And they become, they get to a point where they can't actually, you've taught them all you can, and now it's time for them to teach themselves, and they have to leave and, mm -hmm. and fly. You know, I tell you something, Nikki, I can, when people say to me, can you spot a good hairdresser? I say, yeah, easy. And they say, well, how? I said, I just have to talk to them. Mm -hmm. I don't have to see their work. Yeah. I know, I sense when somebody is really, really 
it's in their body. Yeah. It's not a job. It's not a job. It, it's much more than a job. It's a it's a way of life. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that's how deep it gets. You know, my life has been a series of ups and downs. Everyone thinks it's a smooth ride to the top, but I've hit rock bottom many times. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, it's cost me two marriages as well, mm-hmm. you know, because um, my first wife said to me, I remember, <laughs> she said, once I got home really late and she turned around and said, do you know what? She said, I think you're more in love with your work than me. And I said, yeah, I think you're right, actually. <laughs> and and the, next, the next day, I was walking down the street with two suitcases. <laughs> but that, you know, that, I, I don't want anyone to go through what I went through or no. think like that but that's I, I I I can feel a person I'm very sensitive and know people yeah quite well I can read yeah. people yeah professionally speaking obviously not personally but professionally speaking is there a is there an era in your career that you look back on with more fondness than others what what's the era you you go go to is there 70s and 80s yeah why, why would that be well it wasn't just hair it was happening all around music the fashion uh, it was uh, very because it was all still quite new and inventive and creative and when you look at uh, the pop world you know Spandau Ballet with you know Toya Wilcox uh, Adam and uh, men were putting makeup on and you know and hair was so experimental I mean my god I used to there was Irvin Russ, Brian Drum, Chains that's the Scottish contingent there was (laughs) Tony Guy you know Vidal Sassoon and uh, Charles uh, I mean the the competition was fierce Mm. absolutely fierce but that's what made us good yeah, because we were trying to outdo each other. We were trying to. If I, if my name was on, a, you know, a program, and Sassoon's were on that same program, I thought, right, get my act together. <laughs> you know, I, I've got to top them. Yeah, and there was no other thing in my mind. I had to top them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even if nobody else thought so, I in my own head. Yeah. I had to top them. Yeah. And it didn't work every time. The industry these days, do you think we're in danger of being taken over by the sort of the groups and the brands rather than the sort of individual hairdressers and characters? Or do you think it is still there? Because sort of... Yeah, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that there, there's not as many individual stars there's big names, yeah. but they're corporate names. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's not what it used to be. There's not that fight. You know, I just said a little while ago when I was up against Irvin and Chains and Tony, oh man, you know, I was up against Irvin and Rita. I was up Jennifer uh, Chain. Uh, I was up against individuals. Yeah, the brand—it wasn't the brand I was scared of. It was the individuals in the yeah. brand. They yeah. were the ones I was fighting. Yeah, um, and I don't see that. No, I, I don't think... see it at all. Nikki, uh, 
I, you know, I, I sold my company, uh, a couple of reasons. So I'd like to put that out. Uh, one is um, I'm 72 now. Um, you know, I've just uh, come through two doses of cancer, liver cancer and bowel cancer, six months of uh, chemotherapy. Um, so, you know, I have to, <laughs> let's say, I'm on the back end of my life, you know, I, I understand that. Um, I am still, even though I've sold the company, I am still in charge of the creative side. I, when I sold the company, I was asked if I would sign on for three years under contract. And I said, yeah, 100%. So I was still leading, you know, captain of the ship, if you like. Um, they have asked me to sign on again, and I've accepted 100%. <laughs> I, I, and I, I can't stop what, me. I, yeah. there's no, the only way I'm going to stop being involved is when I die. Mm. That's it. Yeah. I, I will continue to be Trevor Sorby until yeah. my well, last you breath. See, you seem genuinely excited about that as well. I am. I am. I am. <laughs> the one thing I would actually like to say, which um, is something that <clears throat> I've seen happen, and you have seen it happen as well, uh, without mentioning any names, but. When I sold the company, my biggest fear was one thing, mm -hmm. finding the right fit. Yeah. Someone or a company that would understand me and yeah. what, I've, what I've tried to do all my life to continue that. Um, and I've seen companies that have been sold and they've gone in a different direction to what got them got that company there in the first place um my and i call him my partner mm -hmm. he understands me perfectly and i understand him perfectly and he said to me when we we sort of said oh look we have to keep the standards not we can't interfere with anything other than the, the quality of our work he said trevor if I had wanted a McDonald's, I would have bought a McDonald's. Yeah. He says, I want quality. And that's why I would pitch you. And yeah. I said, right, I like you already. <laughs> businessmen are not my best sort yeah. of uh, no, friends no, no, over the years. Yeah, So I, I've got the right fit. Brilliant. That's, that's why I'm happy. Um, because it's going to go further, which I can't talk about. Um, but I'm... I'm back in the ring, mm. put it that way. Wow. Unfort unfortunately, and this is the downside of my, me now, um, having had chemotherapy for six months, um, I, there's a, a, a side effect that I've got, and I've my hands sort of from there up mm -hmm. are almost numb. Oh. I can't, I can't feel much yeah. wow. i can feel it but i can't there's no sensitivity and my toes are the same right. um so i i tried to cut my wife's hair the other day and it took me like two hours i kept dropping the comb because i couldn't hold it um I, 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 it was hard 
Yeah. It, it wasn't pleasurable for me. It was difficult yeah. and frustrating. Yes, that, that must have been very like, hard. What's happening to me, you know? And I, but I've got other things I can bring to the table, which yeah. I intend to do. And that's my experience, the involvement, uh, the creative side. I mean, that doesn't take my hands, that takes this. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. That, and that's still working. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. So. Oh, gosh, sounds, well, sounds very, very exciting. I think um, I think it's it's been, you know, for horrible reasons this last year, and I know we've all had different um, experiences through it, but it's, it is exciting to have that almost the reset button's been pushed and it does feel a bit, you know, that the world's our oyster. I, you know, that old saying, and... Um, Necessity is a mother of invention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love that because it is reset. Now, yeah. how are we going to do what we used to do, but in a new way? I yeah. love it. Yeah. And there's nearly every industry has is is probably enjoying it as well because you know you can work from home you you know you can do zoom calls you you know it, it's a whole different way of connecting with the world uh, and the social media uh, you know it, it's i mean social media and me are not very good friends because <laughs> i i don't know how to do it for a start and, and i hate the thought of being trolled so I, I, i'm not i'm not interested in any of that but uh, yeah, I think um, it's going to be very interesting in the next couple of years. Uh, I'm looking forward to it uh, yeah. with excitement, actually. Yeah. With it, yeah. Yeah, but I'm still a crap uh, watercolour painter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you need to work on that one. <laughs> I, I, believe me, I'm trying. Right. Every day I try. Do, are you enjoying it, though? Are you enjoying the challenge? Yeah, yeah, because I treat it like hairdressing. You know, I, I want to paint an oil, a, a, a watercolour painting like I used to cut hair. Yeah. Not even think about it. Instinctively know what to do. That's mm. the level I want to get to in watercolour painting. Just go a bit faster. <laughs> Step up the pace a little bit. <laughs> you, need, you need to eat, eat more Weetabix or whatever it is to, to put in each. Oh, Yeah, spinach. Good. Brilliant. Thank you very much. That's lovely. Yeah, thanks, Nikki. Thank All you right. very much. Okay. Have a good day. Enjoy. All right, take care. Bye. Yep. Bye. Well, there you go. I promised you a really interesting conversation. I think there's a lot to unpack there and to take notice of. I hope you also found it really interesting. Don't forget to visit our website, respectyou.me, and to browse the comment, news and collections we have there. Please do sign up for our Respect newsletter delivered direct to your email inbox fortnightly. And of course, subscribe to Respectfully Podcast on your podcast provider. iTunes, Spotify, there are many out there. Please do rate and review us as it helps to drive us up the charts and make us easier to find. Until next time, goodbye.